This is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Nice to have your company on the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Series 6, episode 38. And we start today with the continued warming of Craig Hutchison. I unfortunately have only just been made aware of this latest layer of that entire project, the warming of Craig Hutchison in the eyes of the public. And the, the latest layer to which I refer is Craig Hutchison appearing on Dill and Friends. Now, I've only just been made aware of this as I get into the studio today, this particular Tuesday morning of this week, here at South Bank. So I'm actually coming unarmed in terms of the content in it, but knowing that the appearance on Dill and Friends by Craig Hutchison is the continued process of Craig Hutchison trying to appease himself in the eyes of the public. He's coming from a long way back. He was that chicken fillet at the back of the freezer. He was that cold. And right now... You done? <laughs> right now, <laughs> he's more than thawed. He's almost ready to be served. Hello, Craig. What, what are you doing? This is the second podcast you've appeared on talking about yourself. No one likes a tired old joke, Damo. Good, good morning to you and welcome, by the way. Thanks for interrupting your 22 weeks for us. <laughs> yeah. Look, the word friends got me. I haven't got a lot of friends. So when the podcast is called Dylan Friends, so he's a, he's a great young guy, Dylan, who's doing good things. So I was he only is. too happy to. And yeah, I'm on the global warming tour. <laughs> I'm on target for... Net zero emissions by 2030, Damo. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> You're coming from a long way back, and we have had a little joke about this over the journey. You you have been frozen for a long time in the eyes of the public. But but clearly, now I, I don't know whether it's but you. you take this seriously, what you're saying. Or whether your advisors are around you. Advisors. <laughs> well, you've got advisors. Um, I, I don't know whether it's you, but, but you have had the project in 2021 to – to present in a different way to the public. You, you appeared on Don't Shoot the Messenger with, with Claire. That, that was the first stage of it. You've done other interviews with other media outlets. And, and this one, I feel, Hutchie, the Dylan Friends, because it does have significant reach in the podcast space. It will open up a new world for you and you reach for you in, in, a, in an audience and a demographic that's different to this particular show's demographic and audience. And so, I, I, did so the, I did the Sporting Max too, which is young Max Becker's podcast. That's right, you did too. So, see, this is the problem with you, Damo. You're not yet podcast cool. When you're podcast cool, podcast you go and you go and guest on everyone else's podcast, and they come and guest on yours. That's how it works. I'm just borrowing from the wrestling. You really haven't cut through the pop culture craze yet, Damo. So you're still sitting over there on your 22 weeks leave. You know when the uh, you're not podcast cool. Happy days jumped the shark when the Fonz jumped the shark out at Santa Monica. There, Dylan Friends might have jumped the shark today with you getting you on board, Hutchie. That's fair. That might have been the jump the shark moment for Dill. Now listen, the other thing that has I've been aware of. I will listen to this. I will. I need to because I just need to. I, I need to become part of this, this warming process. I think I've helped you warm yourself a little bit, Hutchie, but I'm I need sure to. Yeah. Well, maybe not. But um, I've actually been told that no mention of the sounding board and, and no mention of me either. That's true. Oh, what? That's How true. do you talk about yourself for, for an hour and a half and not mention me, Hutchie? You had, you're a fair way down the list of things to promote, Damo, on this particular occasion. I see you promoting things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> listen, Damo, the, the the Beatles didn't. Surely I've got to mention The sounding board stands on its own two feet, don't we? The, the Beatles didn't need to put street post signs up when they were playing a band in an act. People knew they were on, don't People knew they were on. They knew where, they knew where to find them. We're okay. I'm only joking for those listening in, by the way. Now, I want to ask no, you not. let's get to journalism. I've got a right. few things to get to you today. Okay. For starters, the John Gruden drama in Ooh. the States yeah. has been extraordinary. He's lost his job after inflammatory emails from. 
about 10 years ago where he used derogatory and racially insensitive language uh, when in his previous uh, role as a commentator, I think as, as yeah, he was still at ESPN at the time, um, to, corresponding with the, the, the owner or the general manager of the Washington football team, as they're referred to now, um, which was investigated by the NFL for, for racism and other pretty ordinary practices. He had to go, and that's fair enough. But Adam Schefter, who, our man. as you know, is well alongside our other man, is the Woj, or Woj, well, Woj in basketball, yeah. and then Schefter in NFL. Yep. And... The other guy, what's his name? The bald-headed guy that was on uh, playing oh, himself Glazer. on ballers. Jay Glazer. Jay Glazer. <laughs> yeah. Schefter and Glazer are the kind of Mitch Cleary and Tom Brown on steroids of the United States uh, television medium. They are the kings. Schefter's the king in my eyes. Schefter's the king. Or was. He's, he's actually taken a bit of a back seat this year. And you, you've, was... you've met both of them over the journeys in our travels in the States and got all fanboy, but that's another story for another day. I actually haven't. No. One of his emails emerged, Damo, and... Arguably the top insider in the NFL and breaks the big stories. It emerged that he had sent an email to a subject. Please let me know if you see anything that should be added, changed, tweet. Schefter wrote uh, to, of course, at the time, Bruce Allen, the Washington GM. So it emerged that he'd sent a story off for approval. And then, and then just continuing that, thanks, Mr. Editor, for that and the trust. Plan to file this to ESPN about 6 a.m. Which caused a, a not as big a furor, but a, a mini furor in the states because the perception was that he's now got the clubs writing his stories. He had to release a statement, Adam Schefter. Yeah. Fair questions are being asked about my reporting approach on an NFL lockout story from ten years ago. Just to clarify, it's common practice to verify facts of a story with sources before you publish, in order to be as accurate as possible. In this case, I took the rare step of sending the full story in advance because of the complex nature of the collective bargaining talks. It was a step too far, and looking back, I shouldn't have done it. The criticism being levied is fair. With that said, I want to make this perfectly clear. In no way did I, or would I, cede editorial control over handover final say to anyone ever. Mm. First of all, your views on this? Well, my views on this are, while I knew what was going to happen once this story got revealed as part of the John Gruden story, when I say what I knew was going to happen was, You'd have other media outlets bemoaning this and critiquing this and having an issue with it, Hutchie. What I can say is and this is relatively widespread practice in journalism that I know. I've done it. I've done it. How many times? Not many. Not many. And, and, I, and I certainly won't ever do it again. You won't ever do it again? No. Nah. Why? Nah. Because you, you do you, – you leave yourself open to this type of scrutiny. Um you so you're should, worried about the consequences as oh, opposed well, to... Well, the reason you're doing it, are you worried about the consequences? I mean, he's Adam Schefter there is worried about the consequences of having some information that may not stack up the next morning or, or maybe, maybe shot down the next morning. We, we've discussed that regularly. But look, the reasons for doing it is you want to get it right. Now, obviously, through the lens of one person, it doesn't necessarily mean it's right, but it's another set of eyes on your information. Again, I've done it. I would have done it multiple times, Hutchie. I'd be staggered if, if other people haven't. And you now regret doing that? I don't regret doing it. I just wouldn't do it again. I just think... Look, I'm now 50... But you're saying you only wouldn't do it again in case you got caught, not because you don't think it's the right thing to do. No, no, I I'm, I'm, didn't say... I, I'm, I, I don't think it's the right You're worried about how it's perceived. Well, I think everything's about perception. You, I've said to you regularly, Hutchie, I, I, I sometimes don't go with a story. I know. Even though it's 100% right, you just you just can't be bothered dealing with the other people out. shooting it down for, for yeah. 24 hours and then it's proven right 48 hours later. Yeah, so I've done, I'm, I'd be staggered if you haven't done it. I'd be staggered if you haven't done that. Not, only, not only have I done it, I have absolutely no problem with it. Yeah. At all. And that would put me in the minor camp, I reckon, of... The, 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 the no problem with it would put you in the minor camp. Yeah. 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 The Outrage Society would be saying, 
oh, they're writing his stories. He's, he's giving them approval on what to say. As far as I read, there wasn't anything here where he said, you can change what you want. Yeah. He just asked for the review of what he'd written. Yeah. And if he might have come back and said, you're wrong here on six occasions. Yep. There might have been one thing that he picked up on. Or they might have said, we're really angry with you on this. And he would have said, too bad I'm writing it anyway. Like, yep. I think it's, I've, I've said this to you many times. I think it is, journalism is not just gotcha journalism. Journalism is a, is a, process to the outcome and however you get there, you get there and however yep. you arm yourself the best. And do you cut deals along the way? A hundred percent you do. Let's yeah. call it for what it is. Yeah. Occasionally you do. Occasionally you do. If you had a relationship strong enough where you could email that off. Yes. To check. Um, I don't think even the, was the story actually about them? No, it was about the lockout, the player lockout. It was about lockout. the lockout, right? Yeah. So like. He's just getting an owner's or a general manager's perspective on it. And obviously the general managers and. If you want to then swing this back to an AFL perspective, that they would be the CEOs being cut in on dealings with and, and, and meetings with the AFL over such a, a sensitive and, now, if he'd said, and topical matter. If he'd said an email of saying, I'm writing a story that's negative around, or writing a story about the way you've handled something as a club, and I'm, and please change what you feel, like, uh, there's a fairly yeah. big difference, right? To saying, yeah. there's a CBA yarn, you're in the room, this is what I'm about to write, you know, we're friends, tell me if there's anything glaringly wrong here. I don't. Mm. Maybe I might be the only. I'm sure there'd be lots of people who would be angry. Oh no, I, I don't want to go name names here, Hutchie, but I can imagine a lot of people in in Mel Australia who, who would who would snub their nose at at that practice as a journalist. I, I would. I mean the the, the outrage, most people would. Right? My, well, I don't know about most people, but I think if if every journalist is to be honest with himself or herself, th- there would be variations of this practice that they would have been subject. If you're in this game for thirty years or thereabouts, you are going to be doing some stuff that you're going to look back on. And that's the other thing too, Hutchie. Look, I've, I've just turned fifty-one. I, I, there's no way I'm I'm doing some things that I did when I was twenty-seven in journalism. But that's just that's just getting older, isn't it? And that's just having a different perspective on life. It's not necessarily being a different journalist. It's just just wading through all the phases of of what you do. I reckon you're in, you're accountable as a journalist to the loaf of bread you bake, not the ingredients that got you there on the way. It's the end outcome that you're accountable to. Well, what, you're, what you're, accountable, you you're accountable to getting it right. Yeah, but if you get it, if you get it right by by whatever means, whatever means is possible. Yeah, I agree. or necessary. It doesn't matter if you've shared a little bit of your journey on the way there. Like, what what does that really matter? Yeah, I don't understand. I, I think a lot of journalists would have been, a lot of journalists would who would denounce that would have done that themselves and not be prepared to admit it. And, and a lot of journalists, and I've read a fair bit of follow-up to it, um, a lot of journalists, Touchy, wouldn't have the luxury of having a relationship with the general manager of one football club, let alone 32, that Adam Schefter's probably got. That's it. The people that are critical are those not, not connected enough in the first place. That, that's what it always, yeah. well, not once always, 99% of the time comes down to. There have been people who written stories critical of that who's... who's who couldn't get a return phone call from the head of footy at GM at Washington. That's what I was getting to. That's what I was getting to. Hachi, I flicked around last night uh, on Monday night TV viewings, you know, Four Corners, usually the offering, and then Media Watch sometimes. Um, I lasted about five minutes, so I felt like I knew everything was on Media Watch last night. The whole News Limited change in policy and presentation to the public of the need to get to net zero emissions by 2050, the whole climate change conversation around every single News Limited publication. You flagged this... This studio, this time last week, a week in advance of Media Watch, Archie, I felt like I was watching what you said last week. And it hasn't been a one-hit wonder, has it? It's been, they've been playing the same song on the radio every day, haven't they, since it's been Mission Zero, full, full scale, full bore. Gone, gone from ignoring it, not just, actually not just ignoring it, calling it a furphy, to 
fully endorsing the need to straighten up. And it's been well supported as well. So you can see that that's been... Well, we, what, one thing I did say last week was follow the money trail on it. And I think we're starting to follow the money trail. Why so? Well, there's advertising attached to it, Hutchie, and there's deals that are attached to such a program, Hutchie. So don't ever think they're done from the pureness of heart. What do you mean? We'll have a look at the sponsorship attached to some of these deals, Hutchie, right now. Yeah, I think it's we, a- we didn't have the clarity last week because they just launched these wraparounds around each publication around the country. Now we're getting wraparounds of advertising attached to zero emissions. It looks like the brand world's embraced it pretty quickly. <laughs> I think that's fair. <laughs> you reckon they just woke up and thought, hmm, moved, News Limited's onto this. Moved, moved quick. <laughs> news on the back of the news to... I Just did. Some interest. Now I don't even want to give the the companies in question any airplay here, Hutchie, because they they're now buying I, I, ads on News Limited papers because yeah, there's money to be made for them too. But I, I didn't see anything that wasn't an existing campaign from brands. Like there's a, a lot of brands active in the space already who have just extended their their voice. And why wouldn't you? If it makes business sense, if news are taking a position on this in a prominent way, and you can align your existing creative to it, you would. So it's I'd, actually sickening what news is doing here, Hutchie. Sickening. Uh, not from the actual pursuit, but how they can just ignore um, 25 years of them ignoring it. We're really naive in politics. Let's put that. In fact, we need to get one of those disclaimers done. They're about to talk about something they know nothing about. Actually, that's every week. That's 45 minutes every single week on this show. The novice view here looks like it put a bit of pressure on Barnaby, don't you think? Barnaby's in a position where he's got to find... He's so head of the National Party, Deputy Prime Minister. They're trying to cut a very deal. questionable past. They're trying to cut a deal with him ahead of Glasgow to get everyone aligned, and he's been—he's fair to say hasn't been singing from the company. Well, the National Party is the well, one traditionally for the for the country people. Is it? I, I might be oversimplifying. They haven't got a policy. The problem with they're going to meet on Sunday, just gone well, to formulate a policy. He'd only just learnt the words to the old hymn book, and the new one arrived on the, <laughs> on the door. He's like, I've just learnt the, learnt the lyrics to the to the the coal. The coal song. What do you mean we're about to go to zero emissions? The coal song. So he, it's a tough one for him because he's he doesn't want to upset the media around it. But what what he is what he has what he looks like he's doing he's drawing out one hell of a pork barrelist. You ever look at some of the things that that, that happens in regional Australia on the back of this? Yeah. It'll be unbelievable. This this will be the new car parks around train stations. Oh, this will this be, issue. And, be. and the sports rules. <laughs> so, this will make your eyes pop, I reckon, when he, by the time he finishes with his wish list. You know, some of those car parks were, uh, were, were even if they got done, were going to be about four spaces outside those train stations. <laughs> <laughs> do you reckon with the just with the? And I just say this tongue in cheek a little bit, but do you think with the the news and Scomo relationship? Yep. Like, if we were to put a, a scorecard on this. Yeah. How many, okay, I'll ask you a couple of questions. This is where I like you getting deep into these topics, actually, because I look at them with what's in front of us. You go deeper and you try and work know, out where the business has come in. We know in a normal relationship, it's very hard to get credits in the bank. You only get debits, right? Yeah, that's true. Particularly in, on, on the journalistic side of a, it. In you're, a business relationship, yep. I'll, I'll give you, just give me two scores here. Okay. And then and 10 is the maximum yeah, and minus 10 is the minimum. Okay. Net zero sounds like, a, sounds like a scorecard. Net zero is fifty fifty, which is where we're all trying to get to, right? Yep. In a relationship. Yep. When the rules got changed to suit news on the back of Facebook and Google, yep. What do you reckon Scomo's share price was at news? <laughs> How many points ahead was he? <laughs> well, to continue your narrative, he plus ten. Plus ten. Yep. How many of those did he have to cash in? Do you think <laughs> to get the mission zero rolled out a month before Glasgow? Um, 
<laughs> so <laughs> let me just before I answer I would, that question. I would say this. I reckon they, 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 they charge a bit more for points than the average every day. <laughs> <laughs> they charge the premium. Or, he's clearly gone through all the Facebook credits and he's in the dev- deficit on this thing. I don't know. No, he's, he's look, whatever we say about him, we ridicule him every single week. He, he's a reasonably good negotiator, Hutchie. I good think negotiator. He, he, he might still be on zero on this. So are you saying, are you saying, this is where I'm interested in this conversation, are you saying that News Limited may have gone to ScoMo saying, no, listen, we that wouldn't happen. The fact you answered that so quickly means you do think that. No, no. Um, so, but I'm hey, sure that didn't happen. Is it possible they've gone to him and said, hey, uh, listen, we've been in bed with you on this one for a long time. And we're, now It's now got to the point where we are just embarrassing ourselves even more than we realised. So we need to change it. You may as well come along for the ride with us. This Glasgow thing's coming up. How about we position it and condition the public to a change in perception? And we'll do that for a week before you then publicly on the Sunday or Saturday or whatever that, that quiet time of media time is, come out and say you're going to go to Glasgow. How about we do that for you? Is, uh, that, is that what you're I saying? I think you're misreading the communications chart. I don't think well. I am, Hunter. You've simulated that thought in my head on what you just presented there. I think you're on the money. I think you think the egg came first. I reckon it might have been the chicken. So you reckon he's gone to them? I would, I would be certain that the... Do you reckon he's gone to them the evolution and said, of their views. I'm in trouble here with this. The evolution of the government's views would would have not been... There's no evolution of their views. How do I put this? There's no evolution. They've got no views. The National Party doesn't even have a policy on, on the, emissions. The, Damo, the federal government... Apart from saying stuff that they think needs to be said. The federal government have been drifting one way on this, trying to get to the other island, and they're now running at the island, or they're about to try and run at the island. They haven't been drifting, Hutchie. They've been going the other way. Correct. He, he brought a lump of coal into, sta- into the federal parliament about three years ago. I don't reckon. Put it this way: I don't think news took the idea. I don't think. I don't think news's opinion is because of the government's. It's just a change of view. <laughs> but I don't think the federal government would have been shy about sharing their change of views with news before they went down I've, the path they did. I've let news go for a bit, Hutchie, and, and you've probably right to raise it with me. But I need another little little. Actually, another couple of things actually. So. They're all for Victorians, aren't they? We're for we're for you. We're I'm, for not, I'm not getting involved in any of this. No, I've got two more layers to this. I haven't done it. I don't think I've done it all year, actually. So allow me, allow me the um, the luxury of actually just just getting a few things off my chest here. One of them was we're all for Victorians. I think that, is that something like that. The slogan we're, we're for you. We're for Victoria. Yeah, that's the, that's the positioning in every state, and it's a yeah. good good brand positioning. So on. The day of, and if it wasn't the day of, it was the day before, certainly around the period of time in question when you've got a major clash between the, the iconic historic Caulfield Cup race meeting at Caulfield with the unbelievably successful Everest new horse race um, being held at Randwick. On the front page of the Victorian paper, all for Victorians, where for you, there's, a, there's an allowance of an ad promoting the Everest. Yep. What's wrong with that? So they're taking the ad promoting the New South Wales race over over their own series six episode thirty eight. This is your jump the jump the shark moment. So you're saying that racing New South Wales who who booked advertising everywhere around the country? No, it was a, it was a bookmaking outlet. I think had the ad. No, no, racing New South Wales had an ad on the front page of every paper in Australia, right, to promote the Everest, and it worked. Have a look at the Saturday; it was an unbelievable day. Have you seen the turnover on that? Unbelievable day. It blew the Caulfield Cup, which is my other layer of this conversation. Unbelievably, the, the, the Melbourne Racing, the Victorian Racing Authority. I like, know oh, you can't comment, actually, because you're propped up by well, it. But hang but, on a minute. So you're saying you're to knock back the ad? Yeah, on principle. Oh, you deserve to go and work at the ABC. It's a honestly. front, front page. We're all for Victoria. You, you, you should be in the non-profit sector. Well, okay. You take the ad. Take off the slogan. We're for you. We're for Victoria. 
Damo, it's an ad, mate. It's a New South Wales-based advertiser. Do you think the hungry, hunky-dory fish and chip shop in Clarence Street says, oh, we're for South Melbourne, we're part of the community. Oh, hang on, I can't say you're hamburger because you're from Albury. Like, what's this? this? No, no, that, 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 that's not one of your good lines. That, 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 take, you, you probably want to rethink that one again. That's, that's not a great comparison to this one. If you it? are in the advertising business, hmm. why would you knock back the ad demo? It's, but that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. They're not for Victoria. They're, we're not for Victorian-only advertisers. There's people, half of the national brands in Australia live in Sydney. We're not for Wake Victoria. Up. We're not for Victoria. Oh, that's, that's and, it. And, and as as for Victorian racing, you've jumped the shark. Well, also, I, I also want to um, I want to cut Susie O'Brien some slack here too. I, I want to I want to cut her some slack because last week in the column she writes in the Herald Sun, she um, she has three little um, headline acts outside of a column, and, and one of them was the funny under the under the words the funny. Kim Kardashian's Saturday Night Live hosting gig was a huge hit. She had that as the funny, so I, I want to cut her some slack because she. She couldn't have been aware of all the fallout to some of what was said on that skit uh, and then said that was funny and pumped up Kim Kardashian because the sister of the sister of Nicole Brown, Tanya Brown, the OJ Simpson situation of many years ago, said that what Kim said on that instance was were jokes, quote, beyond beyond inappropriate and insensitive. So, I mean, Su- Susie couldn't have been aware of the full skit and aware of the fallout from the skit and said that was um, funny. Here I, here I go again. It was Susie's opinion, Damo. No, but she couldn't have had that as an opinion because but, she would uh, have cancelled cultured someone else if they had that opinion uh, about that. I see that. where you're leading. Yeah. A, a lot of people shared... I'm, I'm going to cut her some slack, Archie. It, I'll, I'll, yeah. A lot of people shared the view that it was very funny. Other people shared the view that it was... Well, the sister of the murdered woman didn't, Archie. Yeah, other people who yeah. were closer to it shared the view that it was insensitive, the satire. Well, the, and, the, the use of the phrase stab in the dark, I don't think that's any context being funny. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel that what Susie wrote was in any way inappropriate, though. Dave, it's an opinion. Good to see you reading the Herald Sun, though, which is that you're actually finding the tidbits in Susie O'Brien's column. That means you're getting the no, print, I'm, I'm, that means you're getting the print edition. I'm, I've, I've told you, I've got the, I, I get that delivered every day. Yeah. I told you that, which you. makes you the ultimate media hypocrite. You actually think enough of the paper to subscribe to it, have it delivered to your door, and yet there's other in, people in the family, Hutchie, and yet sit in criticism of it and its advertisers. Why, why are you so defensive? You don't buy it for the rest of your family. There's other people well, in the family. Well, I reckon, my, you're, well, I reckon you're two 15-year-old boys running out to get their no, big M's in the morning wife, in the paper. My wife does read it. She reads it every day. Janine was a great contributor to the Herald Sun. She, not in the journalistic sense. No, but very much a great long time. She, she would have knocked back the ad that, that no. put New South oh, Wales. Oh, that's, a, that's the angle I missed. Your <laughs> wife was in advertising there for 15 <laughs> she, years. How have I missed that angle? She would have knocked back the ad that, that compromised the, oh, the newspapers. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get her on next week and say. No, we're not. There's geez, no chance. Would but... you have knocked back the front page ad nationally, by the way? Would you have been the one market that said, no, we're not running that on the front? How How is... The, the turnover, Hutchie, the figures won't be hang released. On a second. The, the, hang on, just let me just rewind this for a sec. The middle park home you live in and have now moved back into, the well healed home, was in part built on the back of News Limited advertising dollars. Your wife is a contributor to the mortgage. You've actually sat here today and denounced advertising, having had your home built by it. I don't know where you're That's going with unbelievable. this. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Can I haven't picked that up before well, now? I actually know where you're going with this. <laughs> It's like you're in bed with News Limited right now. That makes you one of the ultimate media hypocrites. How's it make you've you hypocrite? Been, you've been part of the ad cycle and you've denounced it. I, I don't get. I don't get two of the th- last three things you've said. <laughs> there you go. Do you get what Justin Langer said during the week on his own LinkedIn account? It was. It was weird. He sent a powerful message of, 
Well, was it powerful? He was referring to, and I've actually done, as a few other journalists have done, Hutchie, and, and, and seen what other journalists said about this. There's a, a Lebanese-Canadian activist who had something to say about life, um, and, and I'll just quickly read, read parts of it. And this was what Justin Langer did say on his own LinkedIn account. A wise man once said, don't give them a taste of your own medicine. If they lied, let their medicine be honesty. If they played with your emotions, let your medicine be maturity. If they broke you, let your medicine heal you. It goes on. That's the theme. Um, it finishes this way. So be who you are. The wise man says, be yourself. You are unique and you are special. Be happy, be healthy, be calm, be strong, and be yourself. It was weird, Hutchie. It was weird because... He's a spiritual sort of guy. Though. He is. And, and, and again, when everyone started reading this, and it was distributed as it often is on, on social media in, in a wide and, 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 and very significant way within minutes of him posting it, no one had the context to it. As I said, it was um, basically a, a direct quote from, from other people's works. But for a man who has been under siege and, and, and who has been told by his own constituents that he needs to change, he, he can't continue being himself uh, if he wants to survive in the job, for him to put that out on the effectively the eve of an Ashes series about be yourself, I, I find it extraordinary media use. I find it extraordinary positioning given, a, given what he's been through. And on, I like him. On a normal day in a normal media, that, 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 there's no issues with that, right? No, it's, there's not. But there is, given what's happened. But the risk-reward on that was, if you run the risk-reward profile on it, it was probably what was the upside versus what's the, what's, well, what's the knock-on effect. Again, it's not a stretch to, to take it as a, as a middle finger to the world. It's, Do you think you'll be reappointed when his contract's up in June? That'll de- be dependent upon the Ashes result. Yep. It just feels a bit from the outside like he's trying very hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube. But he's not if he's making statements like that and volunteering such statements. He, he, he's going to go down swinging he's his drawing, way. Drawing strength from... And, and he might just be, again, to use the sporting analogy, he might just be rolling the dice, figuring that, okay, we've got a pretty good chance of coming out of this Ashes yep. with a, a 3-1 potentially scoreline or at least a, a series win. Got and the, got and good the, luck trying to sack him if that's the case. It's got the feel a little bit like a coach in the last year of his AFL contract, doesn't it? Like the Wolves are circling a bit and he's defensive and yep. it's got a bit of that feel. It, and, it, and now he's regrouped. And now he's regrouped from the latest batch of, of criticism and thought, well, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna go down swinging. Yeah, once the, once, the, uh, once the rock starts rolling down the hill on these things, it's very hard to stop, as we've talked about before. But it, it, winning changes everything, don't we? The stakes are pretty high. The chairman's gone. Uh, the captain's been injured, obviously. The coach is under pressure, but you know a four or five nil win in the summer. Yep, and winning is the panacea of everything. Uh, we've been following reasonably regularly the um, behind scenes dramas around the the, the Ben Roberts Smith situation through yep. Winx's um, reporting, that being Nick McKenzie. We got sent uh, during the week, Hachi. Uh, you may not have opened it up. An article in the in the Guardian uh, that reads this way under the headline, Ben Roberts-Smith's Backers at Seven commissioned secret report into war crime allegations, comma, court hears. It's written by Ben Doherty. Ben Roberts-Smith's TV station Backers commissioned a secret report into war crimes allegations made against him by newspapers the federal court has heard. But the written report was shared only with a select few, including seven chairman Kerry Stokes, with the document even kept from Robert Smith himself and key members of his legal team. 
Journalist Ross Coulthard was given an assignment by Channel 7's commercial director, Bruce McWilliam, to investigate allegations of war crimes committed by Robert Smith, published in The Age, Sydney Morning Herald and Canberra Times in 2018. Nicholas Owens, SC, acting for the newspapers, told the court. It goes on, but it's interesting use of... If if indeed it happened this way, Hutchie, according to this Guardian report, um, counter journalism, counter journalism, yeah. Have you come across counter journalism before? Not to this level. Um, that's just my experience. I'm not saying it's never happened. How would you describe counter journalism to our audience? Uh, would well, I'm not. I actually think I've used the phrase before. Um, I'll, I'll give my definition of it, and you then clean it up. It would be use of own resources to either check or verify, or maybe find flaw in. An argument of another media outlet? Would that be what you're Didn't referring the to? TV show The Newsroom have one of those crews internally? They had the Red Squad or whatever it was called where they'd, Do that. they'd investigate the investigators? <laughs> it goes on. I've got no doubt it goes on. Well, the stakes are pretty high, right? Yeah, but how would you be if you were a... Again, I don't want to get even into too much into the specifics. Can we, can we park the specifics saw, of Ben Robert Smith here and just Nick, talk about it? I saw Winx's Twitter feed yesterday where he took offence at the suggestion that it was a seven versus nine thing, and he was reporting on this story because Ben Robert Smith was a seven person. There's no way Nick McKenzie, from what I think I know of Nick McKenzie, would, would have used that as the basis he, for his he investigation. Pointed, he pointed out that his investigation had begun long before the respective um, employers had landed in the respective seats. So, But, yeah, it was, it, it's, it's become a partial seven versus nine story along the way, hasn't it? Well, you, you picked that fight in advance once, once it became very clear what was happening. Well, I don't think it was necessarily – it wasn't hard to pick, though, mate. It was pretty pretty obvious that – But it's got reaches now down in the, into the print side of organisations, which is the bit oh, you not, did predict. Not now, from the, from the get-go. Yeah, but it's, look, it's a highly emotional issue, and it's – you know, there's going to be a, an outcome that will go one way or another, and there'll be, there'll be ramifications on either end. How would you feel, though, if you were – if – and again, this is now not about that article I just read. This is just about the general concept of a of – a, of an organisation using a senior reporter or reporters yeah. to 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 devote think, their time to to something that that ultimately won't see light of day, and yeah. it's used as a protection mechanism for. I suppose they're. I think if you if you're seven, deployable anywhere, aren't they? If you're seven, you've got your highest profile staffer, you know, one time the winner of one of Australia's highest army honours, and a servant who's a general manager of your station being subject to these intense allegations from the other side of the journalistic world, you'd be moral bound not to, uh, you know, look into it and support it as best you could. You know, that would make that would make sense that they put some resource into it. You'd be derelict in your duty if you didn't and wait for the court outcome, wouldn't you? Mm. And then on the other end... It's, just, uh, it's weird game journalism right now, isn't it? And on the other end, I think Nick McKenzie's been wonderfully supported by Nine. Like, it's... You know, they haven't tried to rein him in on any part of this, have no, they? And, and if ever you're going to say, look, ease up on the Twitter or <laughs> could you just go a bit easy while we get this court case out of the way because yeah. the stakes are high. Yeah. But they've, they've just let Winks run, Domo. They have. Just another one, Hutchie. They've, from... been, they've been Chris Waller in this. <laughs> uh, we mentioned Adam Schefter's issues before. What about uh, Katie Couric? I would think someone known to a lot of our listeners, the, the famous uh, American broadcaster, host of, of many TV shows. Uh, this was in the, the Daily Mail during the, the week as well. Exclusive, Katie Couric covered up RBGs, that's Ruth Bader Ginsburg's dislike for taking the knee. That's in reference to the, the footballers taking the knee. Um, Katie Couric has admitted to editing, editing out Ruth 
Bader Ginsburg's controversial comments from her 2016 sit-down with the late Supreme Court Justice. Couric writes that she was faced with a, quote, conundrum while working on the story. The former Today Show host reveals Ginsburg responded negatively when asked about people who kneel for the national anthem as a protest against racism. And it goes on to say that uh, she wa- this is a quote, she wanted, quote, wanted to protect Ginsburg and felt that the issue of racial justice was, quote, a blind spot for her. So we've now got a journalist making decisions on behalf of an interview subject, believing that he or she is being looked after by that omission. 83 at the time, Ginsburg, in the interview. It's quite extraordinary, isn't yeah. it, when you think about it? I, I, I think that's more extraordinary than the Adam Schefter situation. So you, you think it's... Well, it's editing. It's, yeah. it's, I mean, Adam Schefter yeah. just tried to get to the truth. So have, it, you never, have you never protected a subject from themselves no, I've, before? No, I've, I've done it too. I've done that too. Yep, I have. Not to that level, I'm Not sure. Not to that level, no, yeah. no. And I, I did it for... I'll, actually, I'll, I won't give you the subject, but I've, I've, the times I've done it, I've done it for to protect probably the mental health of the person in, in, involved. Now that that was the reason for it. Now I don't know whether that you know whether that needs to be um, explored, but that was the reason I did it. It, just, it was just going to be no benefit for that person or on, on multiple yeah. occasions to, to to be out there publicly saying something. But the, I mean, by by doing that, you're I've done the same thing. You're offering you, you're being perceived off it. Tacit approval to the act of the edit and the act yeah. of what wasn't said. Yeah, which is what Katie Couric's done here. There would be, I would assume, there's been lots of criticism saying it was wrong, it was inappropriate. Those those comments should have gone to air, so we could have seen what they were really thought. I think if you're going to sit down with someone and you're going to ask the question and you get the answer, I don't think I don't think you then have the right to take it out, though, do you? I mean, if if you ask the question, you want to know the answer, and if you get the answer that you didn't expect or, or then you then by extension think, well, that's not going to go down well for that interview subject. I, I don't know whether you got that right. Goes on a lot though, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. People, people pour over the edits of stories in edit suites. Well, sometimes, sometimes the journalist, him or herself doesn't have that yeah. decision to be made. Sometimes it's made just, on behalf of them. I just saw it in the morning wars. Did you see the interview on the morning wars with Jennifer Anderson's character where the pause was edited out and it changed the whole context of the... Did it? Yeah, I told you I can't watch that show. The the, the self indulgent scripts for the people in it, Hutchie. I'm, I'm over that show. I told you that last week. You got cynical. No, I've got cynical. I was born cynical. Succession returned yesterday. Did you catch? No, any of it? I've got to start watching that. Don't I? Apparently, I've got to start. I've ne- never watched it. As a as a someone whose life's been built by the Murdochs, I'm surprised you haven't given it due difference and and uh, watched it. It's about them, isn't it? There's there's some. There's some certainly some similarities, but it's on Foxtel, isn't it? Yep. So that, how, how that they was the front it? cover of their uh, magazine on Sunday on the, in news. They can't be too they can't be too worried about it because it was it was well promoted, and I think it's a great it's a great show. I thought I thought the first step back was good. One thing about all the shows going off, Damo, for eighteen months, two years in COVID, is the writers have had a chance to have a really good think about where next. The quality of some of the return shows, I think, because I would imagine don't. Are they, know. Are they factoring COVID into their storylines? Uh, Succession hasn't yet. Certainly, billions did. Uh, Morning Wars has just started to. Yeah, it's a natural, natural narrative. But uh, what I think's happened with the eighteen month, two years of TV not being there is, I would assume it's pretty hard to write lots of series in a short period of time. So you've had a long time to, to get the scripts right. You've probably been able to hire even better script writers because the market had more available people. Right up. <laughs> and you've been able to sense test and let's have a look at that. Now we'll re recut that. I reckon there's been. Because all those shows have come back better, I think. 
I haven't been able to watch much, but now I've got a little bit of time coming up. A little bit of time. So I've got 10 weeks you coming cut, up. I've got 10 you weeks. Cut the, you've got the Lanzac Day, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> what did you make of um, Tom McDonald's comments yesterday, the Melbourne Premiership player, um, around the, the, the right to, to not get vaccinated? I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he said. Channel 9 got the interview with him, the exclusive interview with him at training yesterday. So yeah. if you want to get the full context of what he said, Head there. It was a decent yarn by nine last night, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. You don't expect that on a, on a kind of soft Monday at footy training when the Demons are halfback and <laughs> Tom McDonald gives a pretty strong view on them. Look, he, he the way he articulated it was his opinion, so I respected I agree. the fact that he was that he called it for what he, yeah. for what he saw. Opinions are crucial to it. Um, uh, it was a bit out of step with the what most people think and feel. But it's not going to be out of step with what I believe to be the AFL policy huts. You know, I, I think I've even said on this program, I've certainly said it on other programs, that I, I don't believe they'll mandate. I really don't believe they'll mandate because they don't need to. The well, governments they, have already yeah. made that decision for them. There's a web already been built around it that makes it tricky. Yeah, but I think it's... Like it, it was, it's, not, it's not tricky if they want to mandate, but they don't. We were talking about Kyrie Irving last week and that's since come to a head, so he's not going to... But that's a decision by the club, isn't it? Again, it, the club itself decided to take him out of the the mix. In the end, when they ran the ran the analysis yeah. on the away games and and whatever, so and, yeah. and eventually at some stage, potentially of twenty twenty two, it's just not going to matter, isn't it? But but to get the AFLW season away, and there was an issue there. There was a there's a an Adelaide. Uh, player who yep. has chosen not to be vaccinated, and there's also there was also a positive um, COVID case for a Richmond football yesterday too. So that season is not going to be able to be started or completed without COVID hitting it yep. in in a in a in a meaningful way. So, like Tom, I respected that he had an opinion. I'm not as certain it's in step with where... I don't think it's as closely aligned to the AFL view as you think. I think they'll be tougher. But we'll see what the, what the policy says. But do you... Okay. The, as far as I know, they're meeting today as a commission. I'd, I'd imagine the topic would be raised for the dozen time there today. Did, let, let's see Let's see what happens. I don't feel there'll be a mandate. As in, to play football, you need to be vaccinated. I, I don't feel you'll do you see that word. Do you think there wording. should be? Um, that's a different question. Um Look, I'm, I'm pro-choice, Hachi, like I'm on everything, but but there's ramifications for choice. I, look, the so government... sounds like the, having an argument with yourself about this one. Oh, well, I think you do. It's a complex... Oh, look, again, on the record, so, I, I've been vaccinated. Hachi, I, I had to wait 12 weeks between vaccinations because I, I took AstraZeneca. So, But I'm, I'm raising that in. I've been fully vaccinated since July. So that that's my personal position on it, okay? I'm not, unlike you, I haven't used this microphone like you did on this show six, eight, ten weeks ago, whatever it was, to say urging people. I, I, I'm not going down that path on this. You, you still are? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's all right. I think but, I should... think, but I think that's what the AFL will do too, but they're not going to say you have to. I, I don't, sorry, I don't feel they're going to say you have to. You you think I, they might? I think they might, yeah, but I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Well, we'll see what happens. Because I'll just say that the, the government, if you want to play football in that state and travel into that state, you need to. That's not them mandating. That's just them saying abide by government rules. I think that the, the, you can slowly sense the community getting more relieved and excited that things are about to open up and realign on the back of the vaccination rates, and, yeah. that, and that's good for everybody. Yep. Question of the week time, Hutchie. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for DrinkWise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to drink wise. 
Simon Morris on email. The footy world loves talking about footy clubs being destination clubs. Love to get your takes on who actually are the destination clubs. What is the criteria to be a destination club and who gets to decide who is and who isn't a destination club? Good question, Simon. Well, the destination club these days is when you've got 15 vacant roles <laughs> and then you roll out 15 big names in and look, 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 look at this. Are you referring to Luke Sayers? Yeah, last I'm week, a, bit of, a bit of fun with it. I stole that line of yours somewhere else during the week. Somewhere. Yeah, that was a good line you said last week. When yeah. you sack everyone, you've got to replace them. <laughs> what, what choice do you have? Yeah. 15 ins. The cliched destination club is Geelong. And, yes. And previously Hawthorne, but not anymore. But I don't, I don't know who the, who would who would be a destination club these days, Damo. Um, Sydney Swans always had that destination club feel. I, I reckon there's a Sydney, there's a destination element to the Sydney Swans. Yeah, I, I, I feel that they, yeah, they, they've they've landed the biggest names yep. in, in football. If you go back to to Lockett, um, obviously extending it into into Franklin. So yeah, I, I think they're still, and they will always be a destination club. The way they seem to be run, that 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 attitude has gone down the line to yep. Tom Harley, who's and the current CEO from Andrew Island, who was initially that person. And as, a, again, giving him, giving him attribution two weeks in a row, as Liam Pickering picked up, everyone's a want-away player now. So oh, I hate you, that word. <laughs> if you're a want-away going to a destination club, that feels like a, a good move. Oh, I hate that word, Hachi. <laughs> there's, there's words that you loathe, and and that's, hey, that's crept in in the last five or just, six years, that every outlet does it. Just before we finish, we've got to give just, there's only a small pocket of our audience who care, but we'll we'll acknowledge it. Just a little update, if you can, on the Mitch Cleary, Tom Brown situation. Damo, um, I noticed that uh, Gary and Tim got involved in this on our own SEN breakfast during the week. In fact, this was their take on it. You on one side, and I know this is a fascination of Hutchie and um, Damien Barrett, Mm -hmm. you on one side of the news and then the two boys in the boxes to the right. Now, it's their opinion, which I agree with, is that Tom Brown is the... Did he have the top box or the bottom box? Well, he should always be top box. Which box was he I call him top box Brown. (laughs) That's that's what I call him (laughs) because he's now the number one man. I tuned in yesterday. Who was in top box? Top box Brown's gone bottom box Brown. So, so that, what's happened since we last spoke? Actually, we, we we revealed this this dynamic between these two. We we, we knew what was going to happen there, and it was just exploded in the first two weeks. I haven't come across too much since. I think has Tom taken some time off, or or, or they're not they're not trying to beat each other on trade stories. Or well, I noticed that the Nine Network and Hugh, the news director, will be listening. They've gone with split screens the other oh, night too, no. <laughs> <laughs> and they've got a very great cast of. Uh, of football journalist. In all honesty, I don't think the use of split screens at a cross is that unique in TV. A split screen off. <laughs> a split screen showdown going on, Damo. Can I'll just give war story number 600 for me on my my period of this with uh, with Mytho back in the day. What they're about to enter into, Tom and Mitch, just a little word of warning, yeah. is the more difficult part of the competition, the summer. <laughs> Yeah. Let me tell you why. Yeah. That's a shocking thing for a TV football reporter. Well, <laughs> summer. My, my view of the summer was it was just really just a means to wait to the winter and just add as little value as you could. But and but you, you, you've you've got got to do, out of that. But you've got to do go and do some cricket too. That's the well. No, here's the thing. This is what I'm, where I'm going. In the winter, when Mitch walks into uh, Sean uh, Minigal's office and says, "I've got a yarn on X," yeah, okay, we'll put that on the news. And Tom goes, "I've got a yarn on Y." Put that on the ears. Because in the winter, multiple AFL stories. In the win- in the summer, Damo. Yep. 
Only one. Just a one a night. No, nah, see, I think that's changed. No, nah, that no. used to be the case in the nineties, Hutchie, no, where you used got, to be doing it. We got a one minute twenty. No, nah, no. Nah. Test cricket voice over the right. We got a minute thirty on the tennis. Even in even in Christmas week, Hutchie, there's still room for two footy stories. I reckon there's a, we're even though we're they'll neither the... need to be run, but there will be room for two. We're into the one yarn, and we're going to have things like this. You got to, you got to. How fast can you ring the chief of staff in the morning? Becomes a, a game because this is what happens. The chief of staff's normally on the desk at six. Right. You want to get your yarn pitched in early. So you've got in the rundown. It just says Cleary footy update <laughs> because you, you ring at six thirty. I used to ring at quarter to seven. I got one tonight on the footy and what, chief of like staff would go twelve hours away. I, I'm working on something. Chief oh, of staff would go. You are, yeah. You're yeah. working on waking up. Chief of staff would go. Look, Mytho's already ranked. Working <laughs> out where your car, Mytho, where you left your car the previous night. You get into the rundown. And it says Mytho footy latest. And you think, damn it, he got in early this morning. <laughs> Planted the seat, he might have had one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's all to come. And our listeners. By the way, the, oh. one of my one of my great fascinations of the summer is the voiced over cricket packages. So we might do a bit of a review during the summer of some of the voiced over sports wraps that we see on the TV news, <laughs> which get written on the run during the day. Yeah. Often they're written by T. By who? By tea time. People people going oh, tea. one or two lines Dinner. down along the way. Yeah. <laughs> Australia began well today. You know, oh, sorry, sorry, you know, of the cricket. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll we uh, our listeners are all over that uh, one. Got a lot of feedback too, Hutchie, to the ScoMo barbecue shot last week too. People have pulled that picture apart. There's something I, have, I missed last week. Is yeah, I, 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 did. I didn't think missed too much on on. This was from Kurt on social. In the photo, you missed one very important thing. Yeah. The unopened beer can. I did miss that, Kurt, and thank you for pointing it out. It, it's in a stubby holder because he would have thought that would give him street cred amongst yeah. you know, sporting clubs. It did, and the, but, ang- the angle was very much well supported on social of the tongs being at the wrong angle. <laughs> and, and the fact the barbecue wasn't even on, and he was trying to cook a curry on it in uh, shiny stainless steel bowls, which uh, would not absorb heat. In a cooking sense, Archie, so I don't know what he's doing there. Uh, that was episode 38, series 6 of the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Drinkwise.